It is great to be with you. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin. This is the Jewish Growth Podcast. And as I'm recording, we are just a few short hours away from the Chag of Sukkot. And looking back in Jewish history, it's it's hard to imagine a more euphoric moment in Jewish history than 2,500 years ago, the return of the captives from Babel to Jerusalem in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. Who amongst former captives could imagine that they would personally witness the words of Prophets like Yeshayahu and Yermiyahu come to fruition. The captives are turning to their very own land, Eretz Israel, from exile. Soon after the Jews began to return to the land, the people began to study the Torah to understand the word of Hashem. As Nehemiah teaches us, the heads of the households, the Kohanim, the Levium, all came together with Ezra, the Sofer, to understand what was written in the Torah. That's what was happening in this generation of return. And it says there, they found that there was written in the Torah, that God had written, the Jewish people are commanded to dwell in Sukkot, on the holiday of Sukkot. This, of course, is the mitzvah to dwell in Sukkot, which recall the clouds of glory that we dwelled in during the wilderness period. Now, once the people in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah read these verses, a voice was heralded throughout their cities, including Jerusalem, telling the people to go to the mountain to bring back branches of olive trees, myrtles, date pines to make Sukkot. As it says, Yasu kol kahal hashavim Sukkot. The entire community of returners from captivity made and dwelled in Sukkot. And such had not been done since the days of Yehoshua ben Nun, Joshua. For Tehi Simcha Gedolim Ode, and it was a great Simcha. Now, why does the verse suggest that the Jewish people had not observed Sukkot for so long? Sukkot is a Torah mitzvah that the first temple prophets readily pointed to. It was one of the major events in the Jewish year, according to the Talmud, the annual Nisa Chamayim, or water libation service was one of many joyous events that took place annually during the Bias Rishon, the first temple, on Sukkot. And Sukkot was a time that Jews from all corners of the land streamed to Yerushalayim. The idea that we had not observed Sukkot since the days of Joshua seems implausible on its face. Now, the Ralbag was a great 13th century French rabbi, a commentary in Tanakh, and he elaborates on the meaning of this confusing passage, and he points to verses which not only describe the, our dwelling in Sukkot at that time, but also reading from the Torah. And Robag exp- explains that this generation attained a new level of celebration, specifically through the study of Torah. He says that the hearts of all those who came were shalem im Hashem, they were good or complete with God, as they read the Torah every day, they read in the safer of the Torah of Hashem. The deeper meaning of this is that the people had not connected to Sukkot so deeply since the days of Yehoshua, the man who was directly told that the Torah should not leave your mouth. Surely the Jewish people had celebrated Sukkot through the generations, but there had been nothing like the celebration since Yehoshua, and now that the people were learning the Torah on such a, a sincere level again, they, they attained that level anew. And achieving this heightened celebration through Torah was no easy feat. As miraculous as the return of captives was, it was only a small percent of Jews that initially left Babel to come home to Israel. 
the number may have been between 50,000 and 200,000 Jews, according to various historians and commentaries. And as the Jewish people began to rebuild the Bayacheni, the Second Temple, it wasn't like the old days. The verses in Ezra describe the response of the elders who had witnessed the first base of Mikdash and what was their response as this new Second Temple foundation, at least, was constructed. And while some younger people shouted joyously seeing the new construction, the elders actually wept because they remembered the old days. And so there was this great confusion as some people celebrated, others cried seeing the new, more modest Besa Mikdash. In fact, the, the Gemara in Yoma notes that there were five miracles that regularly took place in the Bias region of the first temple period. And these miracles were absent from the second temple period. And in this light, the celebration of Sukkot at the return from Bubble to Jerusalem was a relatively small affair. But despite its modesty, it was likened to a kind of celebration that took place in the days of Joshua. Much fanfare, even miracles took place back then with the entire nation present. Nevertheless, this relatively modest event in the days of Ezra is regarded as having equal stature, giving the interconnection that people achieved. So what, are we, what we're learning here is that a modest celebration of Sukkot can be considered just as great as what happened in the days of Joshua. Though the elders wept, the Tanakh testifies to us that the smaller celebration had great stature, and that holds a lesson for our lives. To be sure, the Tag of Sukkot has had an indelible imprint, not only in our people, but in broader society as well. If you want to understand the impact of Sukkot, look no farther than American history. In the fall of 1621, the pilgrims in Plymouth celebrated their survival, their survival of a first herring winter and gathering their first crop, as well as a healthy hunt of birds. The pilgrims celebrated for three days along with their Indian neighbors with whom they enjoyed peace. Now, where do they get this idea of such a fall festival from? Well, according to the Plymouth Rock Foundation, this harvest festival was most likely based on tradition rooted in the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot. The Puritans were deeply religious people influenced by the Bible. Nothing was secular to the pilgrims, the Plymouth Rock Foundation website notes, and so this plausible biblical origin for the harvest festival in the fall of that year would have been sacred, end quote. Like the Jews who returned from Babylonian exile, the pilgrims were a small group of people with a big impact. Tens of survivors only of that first winter of 1621 were the start of the first permanent settlement or community in the United States. In fact, in 2002, it was estimated that there were approximately 35 million descendants of Mayflower passengers in the United States. Now, we learn from the prophets that Sukkot is meant to impact the non-Jewish world. In fact, in the Navi and Zechariah, we read about how in a future time, nations will stream to Jerusalem to celebrate Sukkot. Listen to the words of the prophets. It will happen that all those who will be left from the nations that will come to Jerusalem 
They will send every year to bow before Hashem and to celebrate the Tag of Sukkot. The prophet is teaching us that in a future time, all of mankind will recognize God and they'll specifically achieve that through the Chag of Sukkot. However, in our days, we're not there yet. Our Sukkah celebration differentiates us from our neighbors and the nations that surround us. And just like we've got greater heights to achieve in the future, we also look back on spiritual heights that we experienced once that feel out of our grasp. For example, the Talmud points to an event known as the Simchas Beis Shoeva, dazzling festivity in Jerusalem, which included that special Nisach and the water libation, and the Gemara teaches us that a person who has not seen the Simcha's base as Shoeva and the base of Mikdash has never seen Simcha. They've never experienced joy. And so on Sukkot, we revel in the memory of a time in the past when the Tag was even greater than it is today. And so in a sense, looking forwards and backwards, we might feel that our Chag is a modest affair. And that's why we need to remember that however modest our celebration may seem in this time, there's so much light that can come from our flame Sometimes a minor event happens when we can't even appreciate how great it is in the moment. In fact, as right now, my mother-in-law is visiting us from Atlanta. And uh, last night we were sitting in the kitchen. She reminded me of her story living for a short time in Schenectady in upstate New York. During that time, she and my, my father-in-law, my wife's father, were invited to a, a local community member for a circus meal. And she was telling me this was the first time that she experienced a sukkah in a private home outside of a shul. Previously, she only experienced sukkah at synagogue. And so this new experience made a big impression. The night was cold there in upstate New York. And she remembers the warmth of being inside the sukkah, the steaming dishes. And the night made such an impression on her that it led her and her family in a path which 15 years later, she and her family finally celebrated in their own sukkah. Now, the host of that meal in the sukkah may have viewed that night as just a meal. And yet, it was a defining moment for my wife's family and their history, in their path. And so we never should lose sight of the greatness of our seemingly minor moments. While the elders in the days of Ezra Nehemiah wept, recalling the first base of Mikdash, in reality, the sickness of that year was as great as anything since the days of Yehoshua and Joshua. Why? As the Rabag, Rabag notes, the Jewish people were completely immersed in the Chag. Likro b'sefer Torah Salukim. They read the book of God. And today, too, there's many ways that we connect to the Chag. It may be through davening in Shul with a minion. It might be a meal with friends in your sukkah or taking extra time to read a Sefer that enriches your learning. Couple recommendations. One could be ceremony and celebration by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, an introduction to the festivals, or the Book of Our Heritage by Eliyahu Kitov. And wherever you are, take the word of Hashem with you, rejoice in the Torah, and remember that your celebration really is the start of something much greater. As Zechariah Zichari, taught us, we are leading the world to a time when all nations will bow before Hashem and celebrate the Tag of Sukkot. Thanks for being with me. I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Growth Podcast.